everything is your teacher. Everything is your teacher. We're getting underway with sound session here, and so we'll share a little bit about what we're doing and how you can participate with us. Everything that happens is our teacher. The difficulties, the obstacles that arise, I like to refer to them as demons. And we can use our demons, we can use our fundamental misunderstandings, we can use everything as our teacher. We are experiencing sound and feeling and hearing also as a doorway to clarity and awakening. Every experience, every experience is your teacher. So by day two in a session, it's so easy to make mistakes. It's so easy to go unconscious as we learn to live together as one body. I mean, the whole point of a service position is to make mistakes in front of everybody, more or less visibly. And this just does not end. So I'd like to formally apologize to that row over there that I forgot to walk in front of in the morning rounds the other morning. <laughs> As we engage the same schedule, the same people, everything changes. And within this structure, there's a new chance to pay attention every day, every moment, to bring more awareness, more intentionality, more life. It's this beautiful process of refining that we're engaged in. It's brave to practice in this way. These first couple of days are sometimes filled with confusion. Everything we've brought, the chaos of our minds, And so it's important to appreciate this effort. It's very courageous. It's amazing to me how visible my own self-centered efforts on getting everything right become. It's like a spotlight on them. And then this becomes the very thing that obscures my ability to get everything right. And that's an old pattern, seeking safety that way. I remember some of the practitioners here, when I first started practicing Sashin, people who were willing to figure out creative ways to help me. 
I keep thinking of Dano and how he would sometimes wink across the table. A very skillful act of profound compassion to someone who's struggling with Oriyoki. It's so beautiful how deep practitioners can be so seamlessly skillful, almost invisible in their support, in their generosity. And that's from paying attention. There's so many teachable moments available to us, aren't there? Are there not? We go unconscious, make mistakes, and then what happens? We find acceptance right here in this Sangha body, in this universal body, here waking each other up all the time. So perhaps the real work is to first be kind to ourselves as we proceed. I have a vow to make mistakes with gusto. It's good to be reminded of that. Suffering is caused by just a fundamental misunderstanding. I thought reality was one way. Well, it turns out it's this other way. That's all it is. It's just a mis- it's just all been a misunderstanding. various ways that misunderstanding shows up. Arises with each of our unique set of karma, each of our lives that we bring, that's brought us here, right here and now. Every single thing that's happened has brought you here. I love the lists of Buddhism and this very helpful frame. I find so reassuring whenever I'm looking at all of the misunderstandings or any difficulties, the painful aspects sometimes of practice, the five hindrances I find extremely helpful to be reminded of. Greed or desire, wanting things to be different than they are, aversion or anger, wanting to get rid of things, restlessness or worry, torpor and sloth, although I'm wondering if half-heartedness isn't a better way to look at that particular hindrance half-heartedness. Is there anything more exhausting than half-heartedness? And finally, skeptical doubt. 
doubt about the practice. What are we really doing here? So if you check any or all of those boxes, congratulations. You are here. You are here with every teacher whose name we chant all the way to the Buddha. Each one of these people, these imperfect vessels who have transmitted the Dharma, has struggled with all of these hindrances. You are here with every person who has ever sat here. These aspects of life, these are our teachers too. If you must, you can think of them as demons. Sometimes they are scary or painful. And to turn towards them, even if they are scary or painful. That's our practice. The desire to do everything right. Demon of desire. The desire to always be loved. The desire to always be safe, restlessness and worry. These old patterns of seeking safety. What are your patterns? What are your demons? I appreciate the line in the chant from the Jesus ceremony. May I know that all demons arise from ignorance. Suffering and dukkha can be our teacher if we let it. But you get to choose that. <clears throat> you get to choose to turn towards suffering, unsatisfactoriness as a teacher. Nobody can choose for you. just because I'm suggesting doesn't make it a requirement and it may not be time there certainly is a place for grief there certainly is a place for the full range of human experience we're not here to eradicate anything But suffering can be a neon sign pointing to our own misunderstandings, our own ignorance. Our own places of clinging, grasping, pushing away, just wanting things to be different than they are. I don't know if any of you have experienced any of that in the last couple days. We're just getting curious about these patterns in our lives. Framing them as demons just makes it a little less personal. You could even give them the face of a monster, like in Monsters, Inc. or something. 
not really that scary. They're just doing a job pointing to something important. How do we make sense of our suffering and what do we do? How can we allow it to turn us towards what's really true? The fundamental misunderstanding is usually that there's a self in here. A self in here somewhere that can get something. That can have something. Some insight. There's a self in here that needs to react to something. And so can we find this self? Where's the storage container for all of that insight? Where's it located? In the body? In the mind? Are these two things separate? Is there something separate from these two things? This whole body is made of non-body elements as is everything else, just flowing into and out of each other all the time. One body. Our minds are not computers. They're not like machines at all. So for example, a way to test that. Go ahead and look around the room. See where you are. Notice the details. Be in this sense of sight, taking it in. And try to remember everything you see. Store it in that vast memory of computer mind. And now when you're ready, close your eyes and bring back that view as clearly as possible. Every detail. As clear as you can. And now go ahead and open your eyes and see what you missed. Our senses are what's alive, not this thinking mind. We're not like machines. We're not like computers. There's no cut and paste. This whole life is just flow. This fundamental misunderstanding leads to suffering. It can be subtle when self-making arises. There can be a focus on some future me, some better, cooler, 
enlightened, I, me, mine, trying to get somewhere or eradicate something unacceptable to be a different person. Or when self-making and mind-making arise with grudges and resentments, it can even lead to war. When we're trying to get something, this miraculous world right here, right now, is lost. When we're trying to get something or unleash anger, this right here is lost. You can see how important it is for each of us to practice. You can see what happens without it. Charlotte Joko Beck retooled the Four Noble Truths. I appreciate her view of them, the truth of suffering, the cause, the end, and the path of cessation of suffering. Here they are, caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. So of course suffering arises and it is a powerful teacher. It gets our attention, doesn't it? We need to admit that that's happening. Admit it into consciousness. That doesn't mean identify with it. That doesn't mean participate in the self-making and mind-making production. My anger, my doubt, my restlessness. I'm just a restless person. Don't, don't need to do that. Dig ourselves into a deeper hole. But to just notice as it arises. It's an honest reflection. Just being with it breaks the habit of being driven by it. Trying to eradicate is just fighting ourselves with more thinking, more judging, more criticizing. And it's helpful to practice noticing all of this liking and disliking. Our sound practice later will be an opportunity for that, to just notice how it is. What is it? What even is it to be liking and disliking all the time? What's that about? We can meet our life with practice, with this feeling, listening. Sensation and sound occur in this 
moment of aliveness. Sound arises and disappears. Where does it come from? And where does it go? The silence. All around. We can attend to this as well. Open up some space. Open up some space from which to view our previous understanding. I know that uh, Hogan likes to refer to Dai Hong Sunim. You know, Miu Yu is a fan too. She is a Korean Zen teacher. And she often talks about the root or the foundation. This root or foundation, spaciousness. In Korean, it's pronounced Juin Gong. Juin means the true doer or the master. And Gong means empty. Juin Gong, our true nature, our true essence. always changing, always manifesting without a fixed form or shape. So she compares Juin Gong to the root of a tree, that our bodies, our consciousness are like branches and leaves, but it's the root that's the source of the tree, the root that sustains the visible tree. So in our own experience, we can trace our direct experience, what's visible, what's palpable, what's audible. Trace that direct experience, our own leaves and branches, down to the root. Everything. Everything we notice has a place, can point us to what's true. The body of elements in the physical world, our experience of liking and disliking, pleasant and unpleasant, the labels we put on our experience, the boxes we put things in, and the stories we tell about all of it. At any point, at any point we can awaken to this process. It's as important to look at these aspects of experience as anything else. Whatever's here. Trungpa Rinpoche has a verse. 
thought that was really beautiful. Whatever is seen with the eyes is vividly unreal in emptiness, yet there is form. Whatever is heard with the ears is the echo of emptiness, yet real. Good or bad, happy or sad, all thoughts vanish into emptiness, like the imprint of a bird in the sky. Like the imprint of a bird in the sky. There's a beautiful uh, teaching along these lines from um, Pema Chodron. She tells a story about Trungpa Rinpoche um, in the 70s. Some students stood up at a talk and demanded that he tell him what enlightenment was. And he said, enlightenment is like hearing a bugle or smelling tobacco for the first time. Whatever is heard with the ears is the echo of emptiness. Pema Chodron goes on to say, hearing, along with our other perceptions, is also a doorway to sacred world. Whatever we hear is the echo, the sound of emptiness, of awakened energy, ungraspable yet audible. It's also the clear and distinct utterance of the guru, the voice of the teacher. If someone is talking to us, even when we don't like what they're saying, that's not just some ordinary schmuck nattering on, it's the voice of the teacher. The sound of emptiness, of awakened energy manifesting. If a raven outside our window is piercing our eardrums with its raucous cry, that's the sound of awakened energy, the voice of the teacher waking us up. There's nothing we can see or hear that isn't a manifestation of enlightened energy, that isn't a doorway to a sacred world. This is a view we commit to when we turn towards the world, turn towards our lives just as it is. And we vow to appreciate ourselves and our world. we can meet our experience with this awakeness to the present moment. And there are a few tools to be employed here. We can practice toning. I wanted to share that practice with some of the people on Zoom today. Maybe you're in a place at home where that can be accommodated and you can participate. 
It's a powerful practice. It's a practice in which we engage with sound, with vibration in the body, with breath, and with listening. It's an engaging and absorbing practice. It's not about sounding pretty or harmonious. That sometimes happens, but it's not about that. It's about being wholehearted. About being open, opening the voice, opening the listening. We've been toning with the sound of ah. What do you notice? This silence. Is also a teacher. 
right here. We can practice with silence in another way. There is a practice called the nada sound, N-A-D-A. Nada is Sanskrit for sound. And there is a practice called nada yoga, to listen to the sound of silence. It's just a happy coincidence that it also means nothing in Spanish. The nada sound can be accessed often when it's fairly quiet. It is a high-pitched, continuous ringing or tone. Some people mistake it for tinnitus. If you actually do have tinnitus, though, this is not probably a practice for you. Chosen Roshi has made the comparison that if you have emphysema, you probably ought not to practice with breathing, <laughs> at least not all the time. Maybe a very different experience if you, if you do. The nada sound. Once you tune into it, can be a tremendous support, can be a way to practice with silence. It's like a screen that we can be reminded that everything is just flowing, everything is just being projected on to this screen. These are just formations arising, existing, disappearing, these sounds, these sensations, thoughts, feelings. The nada sound, always waiting always available. It can be helpful once you connect with the nada sound to carry it with you as a practice. You can become absorbed, concentrating singularly on the nada sound. Or as I said, allow it to be a background reminder, watching everything arise exist and disappear.
conditions here at the monastery are quite favorable right now in their quietness. So this may be a available practice. But even if it's not, if you have not encountered the nada sound, or knowingly so, sometimes even just plugging your ears or putting in earplugs, you can hear it. Or if you happen to be in the bathtub, putting your head under water might be also a way to connect with that sound. A great teacher you carry with you all the time. So as we continue on, waking each other up, offering each other compassion that arises from this practice. Don't dismiss your experience. Your experience is awakened energy manifesting right here, right now. Even if it's judging, liking and disliking, when we really see our judging, it opens a way to be with things just as they are, to meet this life, to turn towards our experience, to turn towards our demons, to welcome whatever comes towards us with a warm and undefended heart to welcome whatever comes as a teacher, to know every sound as a teacher. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Thank you.